Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Hi, I'm CJ Cousins, and welcome to Shout Part One. So I am so excited because there's something that I've done recently in the last week or so that has just totally had a powerful, positive impact on my life. I removed, you ready? All social media from my iPhone. And I only engage social media directly on my laptop. And because when I go to my laptop, I'm more intentional about my engagement versus having my iPhone and notifications, just curiosity of going in and scrolling through, you know, the timeline and just seeing what people are saying. And so uh, this is something that I've made, a move I've made that has, that has been so freeing and I feel so much more present and uh, getting so much more of my life and my time back. And I got to tell you that one of the things that has been so freeing is that I'm not on social media and I'm not as engaged in a way that I'm constantly receiving all of the bad news coming from our media today, our news, all of the bad news that people are commenting on and regarding all the bad news going on in our world and in our nation and news, maybe bad news in people's lives I'm connected with through friends and so forth that's coming in on my timeline. And you kind of go through this kind of uh, roller coaster of emotions. You're happy one moment, you're sad one moment because of all the different information that's constantly hitting you. And it can be a little overwhelming. And I realized, you know what, I don't think this is good for my, my mental health, my spiritual health. And I decided I want to do something radical. And I, I encourage you to do it. It's, it's, it is phenomenal. But I got to tell you that the freedom from the constant stream of bad news has been probably the most impacting thing because, look, we are all familiar right now. We are in a global pandemic because of COVID-19. This has affected here in America all of um, our lives, and it has affected our economy. Uh, it has become politicized. It, 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 there's the political environment right now. We're in an election year, and all that's going to lead up to the election in November 3rd, and all the uh, speculations about what's going to happen after that, right? Uh, the economy, people have lost jobs. Uh, you may have lost a job because of this whole situation. People have lost loved ones, right? Lives have been impacted forever because of what we're all experiencing right now. And then there's, there's just the general stuff that's been, that's been happening but has been accelerated. There's issues uh, in the church. There's issues in um, social justice and the constant uh, systemic in, injustice, racial injustice that's been taking place. There's so many issues right now, so much negativity, so much division happening right now that you kind of get tired of it, right? And that's kind of like in, in our nation, that's kind of like in the world. But many of us are experiencing bad news in our personal lives, right? Um, let's talk about this pandemic for a second. It may be that, you know, relationships at home are strained because you're constantly around each other. You're not maybe going out as much. And so there's tensions at home. Maybe there's marital issues going on. Maybe there's issues concerning parenting kids that are doing uh, their school online and what it demands of you and the adjustments to your schedule. Maybe there's difficulty paying the bills. Maybe you just lost someone. 
and, and, and you're going through a rough time and you're just kind of tired of just the constant stream of bad news. And so it, it kind of reminds us of this journey we just took. A couple weeks ago, we did a series called America, How Did We Get Here? We were basically looking at what God revealed to us through the book of Revelation, chapter 13. And we kind of broke it up into two parts, and we looked at the history of Western Europe and how the enemy basically used church and government to set up a system that basically misrepresented Christ, which misrepresented the picture of God, and put out a picture of Christianity out there to the world through things like colonialism and, and, and the empirical kind of yeah, all that stuff. And then we looked at the history now that flowed after that or flowed out of that, Revelation 11 on to the end of the chapter and looked at the United States. And we saw the character that it was, that it was basically mimicking the same character of that, that beast from the sea from Western Europe and papal Christianity, right? And we looked at that history. And if you weren't careful, because we were exposing, we were revealing not just what the enemy was doing in the world, but we were looking at what Jesus is doing. But if you were not careful, if you look kind of casually through Revelation 13, you could be left with, oh my goodness, like, is this just going to be it? Is this bad news? Is this kind of where the world is heading, where our nation is heading? And if you didn't catch the main emphasis as of what Jesus is doing, you could be left going, well, yeah, not just biblically and prophetically, but right now we're sensing it, we're seeing it revealed, it's fulfilled, like, is this it? Is, is this gonna be how life is? Is it only bad news? And you might be going, is there any good news rising in the midst of all this bad news? And if there is any bad news, how do we live our lives in light of it? Well, I'm so excited because what we're gonna do today is follow up that series we just came out of in Revelation 13, and now dive right into the unfolding, continuing story of Revelation 14, in which now as we move into Revelation 14, the scene shifts. Uh, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John is now taking the reader. Initially, those seven churches in Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey, and he is now wanting to lift their gaze. And so he wants to lift your gaze right now. Okay, breathe a little bit. We talked about the history flowing out of Western Europe. We talked about this, this nation that would rise, the United States of America, and what it would do that would repeat the history in Western Europe. And it looks bad, but he says, lift your eyes right now. I want to show you a contrasting picture of where this is really going. Oh, my goodness. As we get into Revelation 14, 1 to 5, immediately you see Jesus the Lamb, and he's reigning as King Victorious from Mount Zion. And all of us that are redeemed, that have received him by faith, are described in terms of being victorious and blameless and singing songs of worship to him. And we're rejoicing because we have been redeemed from the earth. We've made it. John wants you to understand that all that stuff he talked about in Revelation 13, all that activity of the enemy trying to usurp the reign and the worship of God in the earth, he loses. Jesus wins. And because Jesus won, we win. And so right off the bat, he's giving you a different contrasting view of the scene that's going on. Revelation 14 is talking about God and Christ's activity, the activity of the kingdom versus Revelation 13 is unpacking the activity of the enemy and his attempted kind of usurping of God's kingdom through his systems. And so now let's dive in now. We want to answer our question. Let's dive in now because this imagery that's contrasting, by the way, the way Revelation 13 began. 
Revelation 13 began with the devil looking out over the sea in prophetic symbolic language, because the book of Revelation is, is a symbolic book. And he's looking out over the sea, a mass of people, basically Western Europe, and he's calling out his first associate. And then later he calls out his second associate, forming this, right, we talked about this false, unholy trinity, a misrepresentation of God. But now the real God, the real triune God is now about to step forward. It's contrasting that scene. Revelation 14, beginning in verse 1 to 5, is now showing you the real deal, what the real victorious king is doing. And now watch this, this imagery, ah, ah, this imagery, as we get ready to go into Revelation 6, we're definitely going to go into it, but I want you to understand the scene of Jesus reigning from Mount Zion is very familiar to those that are familiar with the unfolding story of the new, excuse me, of the old covenant. The Hebrews, the Jews, the Israelites, they're very, they, they are very familiar, especially those in the exile, because the prophets would prophesy of the coming Messiah. They would talk about the messianic reign of the messianic age, and they often would conclude their book with a glorious scene of God coming back to Israel. They've been restored and Messiah has come. God has come through the reign of Messiah, their king, and he's ruling and reigning victorious from Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and he has defeated his enemies, and there's victory, and it's glorious. Ah, and this is what we're we, we, we've just come out of, this is the scene that John has just lifted our gaze. He says, look, I want you to understand where this is going. You win. Now look at verse six. The Bible says, and I saw John speaking another angel ah, flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, every tribe language and people. Here's what it's saying now as a part of this good news as I'm packing it. Fear God. He shouted, give glory to him for the time has come when he will sit as judge or the hour of his judgment has come. It's here. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Yes, John says, there is good news. There's, there's overwhelming good news. There is eternal good news. It's the good news that's always been there from the beginning. Ah, oh, the picture here, uh, in light of what we just talked about in verses 1 to 5, is the picture of the ancient, of the ancient world when a king, good news, by the way, where we get the term gospel, good news was a term very familiar, very a very military government term, by the way, in the ancient world, particularly in the time of Old Testament and New Testament scripture. Good news was basically the announcement of a reigning king who has just been victorious over his enemies. And that king would send a messenger back to the kingdom, back to the people that are in the kingdom. And the message is the king has won. You are free. You remain safe under his reign. Rejoice, we have won. No fear of another conquering enemy or system. No fear of oppression. No fear that you've got to flee. No, the king, your king, has won. He reigns. Oh, so the good news now when Jesus comes, comes around, because the emperor, the Roman emperor, 
Augustus would declare that he is giving the good news, the Pax Romana, that his reign, his conquering these nations was the good news. This is what he actually said historically. And Jesus says, no, 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 let me reclaim that language because he says, no, the actual good news is that God, Yahweh, is ruling and reigning, and he's reigning and ruling through me, Jesus Christ, Messiah, God in flesh. And so now this, this good news, it's been there from the beginning, been there from, from, from Genesis chapter 3, 15 was its first announcement that the good news of the kingdom, God's rule and reign being reestablished on the earth has been fulfilled through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's the eternal good news. It's the everlasting good news. It's the good news that Jesus has been victorious over the enemy. Jesus has been victorious of the land beast system, the United States of America, in apostate. It is the victory over the system of the land beast, right? The sea beast, rather, of Western Europe and its resurgence. This system that basically has shaped Western Europe, this oppressive system, this system that has been behind things like racial injustice and white supremacy, this system that basically has Satan behind it. We're talking about systems and not individuals, but he's saying Jesus is victorious over it. Jesus is victorious over this system that shapes our world today that is in opposition to God, even though it will and is trying to come off as if it represents God, as if it represents Christianity and Christ. Jesus says, I'm victorious over that by virtue of my life, death, burial, and resurrection, and my soon return. Jesus is victorious. Jesus wins. And so in the midst of the bad news, a shout is rising. Good news, the king has won. So worship him without fear of his judgment. Worship him without fear of his judgment. You may have seen this movie. I think it's a great film. The Count of Monte Cristo, the version with Jim Caviezel. And he plays the role of Dantes. Dantes is a guy who's been falsely accused and he's been arrested and imprisoned for a long period of time. And he meets a priest. And by working with this priest, his faith in God is restored. And also he then escapes prison and he's free. He washes up onto this beach and he comes to and he realizes I'm free. And so now he takes off running. It's this really funny scene. He's celebrating, yes, I'm free. And then all of a sudden he looks to the side and he realizes there's some guys that actually are watching him from the shore, just yards away. And he discovers it's a band of robbers and thieves and their leader steps forward and he goes, oh my goodness, I was just free, what happened? And the leader says to him, basically, I've got a guy that we're about to have executed because he stole some gold from us. But I also kind of want to give an opportunity for my guys to kind of be entertained. I want to give them some sport. And so here's what I'm going to do. You fight this guy, and if you kill him, you replace him, and you become one of my men. And now Dante's is faced with this choice whether to fight and kill this guy and maintain his life and freedom or be killed by this guy, and well, it's, it's, it's a wrap. And this leader of this band of guys says basically, oh, by the way, this guy's the best knife fighter I've ever seen. Tough luck, uh, Dantes. Well, Jim Caviezel playing Dantes now quickly wins this battle. He quickly wins this fight. The guy that he was fighting was this guy named Jacopo or Jacopo. But here's the thing, 
as he's getting ready now to give the final blow, he's about to take his knife and he's about to kill Jacobo. He doesn't. He leans forward and he whispers to him, if you value your life, I want you to stay still. And Jacopo freezes. He just stays there, shocked. And then Dantes says to the leader of this band of men, he says, check it out. How about you guys just got entertained? You got the, you got the entertainment and the sport that you were looking for. He said, however, why don't I spare his life and you have now two men instead of just one that will serve you? And basically, the guy agrees. And then he comes back and he looks back at Jacobo and Jacobo in utter amazement and gratitude looks at him, pulls Dante's close and says, I am your man for life. I will go wherever you go. I will serve you for the rest of my life. And that's the rest of the story of, of the Count of Monte Cristo reveals just that. They become the best of friends. They both become wealthy together. They both kind of do some things that basically bring about the exposing of this guy who falsely accused him and all the rest of the story, the rest of the adventure unfolds. But these two are the closest of associates. This guy, Jacopo, becomes his assistant and basically loves Dante's and is committed to Dante's, is loyal to Dante's. He's not afraid of Dante's because Dante's clearly uh, gave him mercy, gave him grace, spared his life. But he fears him in the sense that he now respects him because he could have died. He was in awe at Dante's mercy towards him. And his response was one of gratitude and loyal love. This is what has just been communicated to us through this, this depiction of an angel flying rapidly through the heavens. By the way, the book of Revelation talks often literally about angels. But in this depiction, as you read the context of the chapter, and as you see the clues, as kind of hinted to us there in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1, that God, through Christ, is giving us, signifying this message, this revelation, this prophetic vision that John gets. He's putting it in symbolic language at times. And this is one of those cases. The word angel in the Greek actually means messenger. God's people, the ones that were seen victorious earlier on in the chapter, kind of the end of the story that we win, we're victorious, we're redeemed. He says, well, here's, what they're, here's how they occupy in the midst of all this bad news. They have a message. They are like an angel. They're messengers, and they're sharing the eternal good news. It's the, it is the story of the scriptures. It's the gospel, the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ and him crucified for our salvation and the reestablishment of his kingdom on earth, his reign of love. This is the good news that was first announced in Genesis 3.15. It's about Jesus, the whole book, the whole Bible, and they, this group, God's faithful followers are communicating this to, to the very same place that's depicted as the attention, the place that the devil through these two systems of the lamb beast and the sea beast that are trying to get those that dwell on the earth, which is code word for those that are kind of falling into this system of the earth uh, against God. The attention of the enemy and these two other systems is the earth. He wants to coerce them to worship him in place of God, in place of Christ and be a part of his system, his kingdom of darkness. But simultaneously, Countering this message, 
is the true message, is the real message, is the good news that Jesus has redeemed us by his grace. And like Jacopo has freed us from death and, and, and now is giving us an opportunity to a new way of life, a kingdom way of life. And the message is this, fear God. By the way, this message is depicted as flying through the midst of heaven. It's the language of, this is a message that's moving rapidly around the world, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. It is a multi-ethnic, inclusive people, and they are spreading this message around the, the world. And they're saying, they're shouting. This is why the series is called Shout, because there is a shout that's rising in the midst of the bad news. It's good news the king is one. And so watch this, here's how you live. You fear God. It's not that you're afraid of God. No. Jacobo did not fear Dantes in terms of I'm afraid of him now. Because when you're afraid like that, then, then you don't really know the one who's just set you free. No. He loves Dantes. He's grateful to Dantes. He wants to show him his gratitude. He wants to show him his loyalty. And so fear God is respect God. It is have reverential awe for God, the one who just gave you mercy. The one who you just received the good news that he has defeated the oppressor. He's defeated this system. He has defeated Satan. He has defeated sin. He has defeated the source of all your hurt, pain, and suffering, and all the evil that's harming and violating people around the world. He's conquered it. Jesus has redeemed you to himself and taken the implosion of your sin upon himself and given you the gift of his eternal life. And so he says, enter into life. And your response is, whoa, thank you, God. You respect him. Now you want to show him your gratitude and your loyalty. And this now forms the, second, the, the next part of what this good news is saying. Those that receive it, they glorify God. Fear God and give him glory. Because that's the natural response of the person who has received the good news of Jesus Christ. Glorify, glorifying God. You can look up Exodus 34 towards the early part, one to about seven. You can look up the story there with Moses. The glory of God is the character of God. Sometimes the glory of God is described in physical manifestations, but the real essence of the glory of God is, is clearly revealed there in, in Exodus 34. And it's the character of God. It's his goodness. It's his long suffering. It's his grace. It's his mercy. And the word that sums up the glory of God, all of it, John tells us in 1 John 4, chap, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, and also in verse 16, God is love. This is the glory of God. The original language talking about glory is, is the heavy weight of, of one's character. God wants you to, to magnify, to, to put on display the heavy weight of his character of love. That when you see the goodness of God revealed in Christ and the weight of his love, the overwhelming tidal wave of his grace and love toward you, it reciprocates it. Love awakens love and you now want to magnify with your life his character of love in your life. You glorify him. It's a, it's a central part of your purpose. You reveal in the way you live, the way you eat, and the re way you re engage relationships 
in the things that you take in into your mind and into your heart, you reveal his glory with your life. This is painting a picture for us. You respect him, right? You rever you're in reverential awe of him because he's given you mercy. It leads you to want to glorify him, to manifest his character of love in and through your life. And this leads us into now the call, give him glory because the hour of his judgment is come or has come. But wait a minute, I thought we just heard a good news message. Oh yeah, well, yeah, it is good news because to the followers of Jesus, judgment is good news. Judgment means deliverance for those that have been oppressed, those that are being violated, those that are being persecuted. God is judging the, the oppressor. This is bringing our minds back to what was prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. God there is depicted as setting up a court scene and the Son of Man comes before him and judgment is made against this system, what we're talking about, that Satan's behind. In Daniel 7, it's described as the little horn power. In the New Testament, it's described as the Antichrist system or the system of end time Babylon. Basically, papal Christianity, Western Christianity gone awry. It's a false, mis false representation of Jesus and the good news of, his, of the gospel of his kingdom. And this is the version of Christianity that many have right now in the world. And God is restoring a true picture of Christianity, a true picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this time that we're living in right now, leading up to his soon coming. And he's saying that I'm going to sit as judge over this system. Satan is behind it, and he is the one that's going to be judged. Daniel 7 lets us know that judgment is made in favor of the saints. In other words, the followers of Jesus Christ. You don't fear judgment when you're in Christ. You live confidently in your Savior King, not looking at judgment as something that's coming against you. Romans 8.1 lets us know that when you're in Christ, according to the gospel, there is therefore now no condemnation of those that are in Christ. Daniel 7 lets us know judgment was made in favor of the saints. The judgment is against that system. I love what John, of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, also says in his letter. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, he lets us know that as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. It matures in Christ, right? And then he says, so we will not be afraid. Listen, on the day of judgment but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world, living kingdom life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have fear of judgment. Your judgment fell on Jesus Christ over 2000 years ago. The judgment that those that side with Satan and his system, his end time system, the system of Babylon, the beast system, lamb-like beast, sea beast, that whole thing, those that side with Satan and receive his image and his mark, those that receive all of that, the, the, the judgment is made against Satan and those individuals. But if you've received Jesus Christ, good news, you don't fear judgment. You look forward to his justice because you've received his mercy and your judgment already fell on Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation coming from God right now. This leads you into wanting to live your life as a worshiper, of the one who set you free. This is why the call is to worship him who made heaven and earth. God is your creator. Jesus, 
was the primary agent there that was the one that made you and has also been the primary one who has redeemed you to himself. You worship him as creator, the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. That's the language literally being snatched out of Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. If you're familiar with Exodus, you know that that's the Ten Commandments. And right there in the heart of the Ten Commandments is this beautiful command, this promise of Sabbath that points to our rest in Jesus as both creator and redeemer. And those that are genuinely following Jesus Christ, that have received the eternal good news, guess what? They live their lives as an act of worship. You see, the whole idea of fearing God, giving Him glory, and worshiping Him as Creator and Redeemer is all telling you the exact same thing. The response of gratitude and love of the person who's received the good news of the gospel is to live your entire life giving honor and glory and worship and reverence to the one who has saved you, to the one who has defeated the enemy on, on your behalf. And you want to worship him every day of your life. But your Savior, your Creator, has also given you a command that you are to particularly set aside a date day, if you will, a holy time of 24 hours every seventh day. Yes, it's a specific date every day of the week. Jesus did it himself. And as a follower of Jesus, we are following in the life example of Jesus. The seventh day has always been the same day from the beginning of time. It's Saturday. And Jesus is saying it points to your, your rest in me. It's a, it's a picture of the gospel. Contrary to popular belief, it is not a legalistic command. It is not no longer important. No, it is important to God. It's right there next to not killing and stealing and those that are faithful to Christ. There are those that have, may not have come into that understanding, but those that are faithful to him are following in his example. They're resting in him every day. They're worshiping him every day, but particularly in a special way, set aside from the cares of the world and working uh, during the week, this special day, which is why the language is borrowed from the, from, the, from the fourth commandment of the Sabbath, is letting you know that we worship Him in a special way on the seventh-day Sabbath. You worship Him with your life. That's the response of a believer. That's the response of someone that's received the good news of the gospel, the eternal gospel. And these people come from every walk of life on the planet, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. God's kingdom movement, the church, has always been intended to be a multi-ethnic, multicultural community of believers that worship Jesus with their lives. And they are telling the good news of Jesus Christ. No, they're shouting the good news of Jesus Christ. Good news, the King has won. Worship Him without fear of His judgment. The call for you is to walk in confidence. Put a smile on your face. The King has won. And you will be there, ruling and reigning with Him when the dust settles. The news is, you can receive this victory. You can have this kingdom life. You can have a relationship with Him. You can take the next steps to following Jesus by responding to the prompt there as you're watching this and also right now joining me as we pray. Father, thank you for the everlasting good news of Jesus Christ. 
I pray for those watching right now that they would respond to this message and receive this good news. Yes, in the midst of the bad news. There's a greater reality that you're inviting us into. And I pray right now for that person whose heart is responding to you and they're saying, yes, Jesus, I receive this good news that you, the King, the Savior King, have, have won. And I want to take the next step to following you as my Savior and as my Lord. And I want to learn more about how to live and love like you, Jesus. We thank you, God. Bless, bless those that are watching right now. Abundantly bless their lives and help them, Lord, to fixate their minds on the good news so that it drowns out the bad. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'm CJ Cousins. And stay tuned for part two of Shout. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.